This is Let's Talk About from Style Canada. And let me tell you, we're talking. Let's face it, we talk a lot. We talk about things we love, hot topics, and anything in between. But what about the things we don't talk about? What about the things we want to know but don't know how to ask? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Let's expand our horizons. Let's talk about it. Hi, all, and welcome. This week, we're talking about disabilities with Taylor Lindsay Noel. Taylor Lindsay Noel is a 27-year-old entrepreneur from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 12 years ago, she was a Canadian national gymnast, but in 2008, under the coercion of her coach, she had a devastating accident that instantly paralyzed her from the neck down for life. Since then, Taylor has persevered through adversity and has received a BA in radio and television arts from Ryerson University. She is currently balancing being a motivational speaker, disability advocate, council member of the Premier's Council on Equality of Opportunity, and owner of Cup of Tay, Luxury Loose Leaf Teas, which was also featured on Oprah's Favorite Things list 2020. She recently was also announced as a Young Entrepreneur of the Year by the Black Business and Professional Association, Harry Jermaine Awards, Canada's most prestigious award celebrating Black excellence. Taylor, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am so excited to be here. Love South Canada. <laughs> oh, well, we love you. I know we've, you know, we've had an opportunity to see you in our takeovers, and but you and I haven't had an opportunity to have a, a I say face to face, but a Zoom to Zoom conversation. So, I know, still yeah. living in the Zoom world, but yeah, it's nice. It's so nice, nice to, to face the name. Exactly, exactly. And you know, one of the big things when we started this podcast, you were actually one of the first people that came to mind for me of someone that we wanted oh. to have on because to me, this is all about storytelling and hearing people's stories and starting to talk about topics that maybe we're not talking about. So I'd love to start off with you telling us a bit about your story. And I know that there's so many kind of variables and intricacies that hopefully we'll get to over the next, you know, hour or so. But yeah, can you take us from the top? So yeah, my life has been uh, quite the journey for someone who's only 27. But essentially, when I was five years old, I started gymnastics. It was one of those things my mom's like, I need to put this overactive child into something constructive so she doesn't break my house. And after a couple of years, um, I was asked to be a part of a LEAP program, which meant I trained five and a half hours a day, um, every single day. So it was very intensive but I loved it. My friends were there. My I got to do the sport that I loved and I wanted to be an Olympian. When I was around 11, I was asked to be part of the national team, which meant I got to represent Canada on a world stage. And I was a bright hopeful for the 2012 Olympics. And when I was 14, I went to a regular day of training. Um, my coach, he approached me to do something I'd never heard of before, which is strange because I had been in the sport for so long. And I told him that I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Um, I was scared and he just kept gaslighting me and just telling me that I was letting my fear cloud my judgment, that people do it all the time, that I was being ridiculous and um, to trust him over myself. And at 14 years old, even though there was a little bit of me that felt like something wasn't right, I decided to trust him because he had been my coach for so long. And the second time I tried the skill, I landed head first and broke my neck. And um, that left me paralyzed and in a power wheelchair for life. So 
obviously my dream of being an Olympian and eventually a sports doctor and all that jazz was stripped away from me in like a single moment. And I've kind of been on a very different life journey ever since. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, talking about a moment really changing your life, right? I would imagine out of out of that kind of piece of things where, you know, you talked a little bit about the gaslighting and, and trusting your kind of own intuition there. Like, is that, if there is a, a lesson to take from that, like what, what was that? What did that, what does that look like? Whenever I had the opportunity to share my story, especially when I share it with women in general, especially because I think so many times we get scared to speak up, especially in rooms um, where someone might be an authority figure who you're trying to have a conversation with. What I do now is no matter what is going on, no matter what the opportunity might seem like, even if it looks amazing, if that little intuition and gut feeling doesn't feel right, I will not do it. Like you will, if my friends, my family can attest to that, if, if it was crossing the street and something didn't feel right right now, I will not do it because I realize that the intuition is there to protect you. You don't know what the future holds. In that moment, I thought my intuition was just being a little bit scared. And I'm like, what's the, literally in my head, I'm like, okay, like, like he said, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can just try. I would have never imagined that the worst thing that could happen would be me being in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. You don't see that in the sport. And so it wasn't even my thought process at the time, but that intuition was trying to protect me from something I didn't even know was possible. Um, so it's very, very important to listen and, to the inner gut. And I mean, you were 14 and had a little bit of that intuition. What about for those that are older now, how do you kind of develop your intuition? Is there a way that you, is there some things that you've done to further kind of listen to your inner voice or hear your inner voice? I think the that's a great question. I think the thing I try to do now is be more kind to myself. Mm. I think sometimes when you have those thoughts creep in, the first reaction you have is, no, no, I'm just being scared. Or no, I'm just being, I'm overthinking or things like that. You immediately think of it as a negative thought when in fact I try to like embrace it as a positive thing. Like, oh, look at this little guardian angel within me trying to protect me. Maybe I should take a second to think about it. And I think it, it, it comes over time to discern between fear and intuition. And that takes time and um, experience and life lessons. And I don't necessarily always get it right. But I think I would always rather be safe than sorry. If I can take a moment and change a decision, I would feel better about it in the long run, even if I don't know what the outcome could be. And sometimes you'll never have an answer. You'll, have an, you'll never have an answer. True. Why do I feel like that? But wouldn't you rather just move forward and think that it was for the right reason that you won't know. I I think nine times out of 10, you'll feel more happy just knowing that you are safe or protected rather than maybe I should have taken a chance on that intuition and who knows what could have happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that you kind of make that distinction between fear and intuition. I think that's, you're right though. It's a skill that definitely at 14, I didn't have. You seem like you maybe had it a little bit more. <laughs> a, a little bit. Because like at, at that age, right, you know, I I had pushed my body to limits that are so different from the average person, the average child. So doing things that are abnormal and out of this world is normal in a gymnastics world. However, this seemed too far out of the box. Maybe not for someone like Simone Biles, because she's just literally 
the goat and I don't get how she is a human being because she's incredible. Um, but for me and everybody who's come after me, because it's never been done before in the world, still to this day, uh, clearly there's something about that that is not really humanly possible as they've determined it's not humanly possible from the height um for for a woman oh so they did deter because i know it was something called the legacy scale so do you want to kind of give us a little context to what what was what that means so i don't think that i think i've did a legacy skill i don't in the gymnastics world necessarily have a term for it but essentially why i call it a legacy skill is my coach knew that if you teach a gymnast a skill that's never been done before it gets named after the gymnast so it would have been called the lindsay noel whatever the move is it would be called the lindsay noel but in the code of points and in the rule book, it would be, it would say, and in the history books, people would know that it was taught and coached by my coach at the time, Brian McVeigh. So he would have had the opportunity to gloat and say as his last, one of his last gymnasts he was ever going to coach, because it was myself and one other girl who was his last gymnast, that that was the thing he kind of went out with, teaching this girl how to do this skill that was not possible and he did it and it would look really good on him and it'd be like his legacy and that's why I call it a legacy skill because it was very much so um ego driven why he pushed me to do what I did I'm feeling angry just you saying right now there must you're not the first and if there was like a line there would be like a lineup of people who would yeah with their pitchforks like I'm sure you and your mom at the front of that line you know what? Yes. My yeah, like, how did you, definitely. how did you get over that? Like, cause I'm sure there was a lot of anger there. How did you overcome that? It wasn't, it wasn't easy, but, um, you know, I have always grown up. I love quotes and I really am one of those people, like I'm a Pinterest board. Like I love posting quotes on my Instagram story and it's a really famous one that most people know, but, uh, I think, but I can't remember if it's by Oprah or Maya Angelou can't remember, but it's when someone shows you who they really are, believe them. And also holding on to hate is like drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. We're not sure about you, but since the start of the pandemic, many Canadians like us have put aside their health and procrastinated going to the doctors. But our health concerns should never have to wait. Good news. With Maple Virtual Healthcare, you can get checked out by a Canadian licensed doctor from wherever you are in just minutes for access to advice, treatment, diagnosis, and a prescription if necessary. Available 365 days a year, 24-7 in Canada from coast to coast. Once you've downloaded the app or registered on their website, you can get connected to GPs and more than 15 different kinds of specialists, including dermatologists, physiotherapists, dietitians, naturopaths, and more. With over 200,000 five-star reviews, it's safe to say Canadians love maple. Head to getmaple.ca backslash style for more information and register now so your account is ready when you need it. So, oh, wow, I hadn't heard that. Oh, you haven't heard that one? No, that one is, I when that I first one. heard that, I was, I'll say it again. Yeah. Holding on to hate for someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I was sitting here 
back then being angry. I was so angry with him and I was just so hurt and all of these things. And I had all these, neg- every time I heard his name, I would hear have these negative thoughts. And then one day I remember someone in my friend circle telling me that they saw him out in public and he was just walking around shopping smiling and in my head I'm like here I am sitting here so angry and he's out here living his life like nothing is going on and I was real I realized in that moment that I was taking on all of this negativity while this person wasn't giving a crap and and that's hard to come to terms with but I'm like I can't let him continue to affect my life he's already affected my life for a in a huge way, but am I going to choose to allow him to continue to negatively affect me? And the answer was no. And I think once you take that power away from someone, a situation and a name that it could really start to change your life. And I started looking at life differently. And very soon after that, I heard the quote, which made it make more sense to me. And I'm a firm believer in karma. So it's not my job to take care of or have his life be anything. I wish him nothing but the best. Godspeed. But he's not my problem. And um, it's something that I think a lot of us need to try to remember because the other person is just going to continue to live their life, whether you think it or not. Right. Whether you're wishing them bad or not. Yeah. Feeling negative towards them or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. Like it's a choice. I mean, you had obviously a much more difficult feat in terms of the choice you had to make to be positive and kind of for maybe forgiven away or, but each of us have a choice every day. Right. And so tell us a little bit about kind of your, your comeback from this, because you definitely have a, a, a great story after this. Right. So how did that, but I'd imagine there was a lot of struggles there. Yeah, it it wasn't like like I, like I just said before. It wasn't easy, but I think I had. I think being an athlete, a lot of people think that I look back at my time as a gymnast and I, I regret it. I don't. I I know that so many of the skills I learned being an athlete very young has really shaped me to be the person I am. Whether that be just through seeing from a young age what it is to work really hard and see a result. I knew if I did. 200 sit-ups that in the next couple of weeks, I'll have abs. And when you when you have that um, hard work and reward really implemented from such a young age, it shapes who you are. Like now I know if I work really hard that I'm going to get a lot of rewards. If I, if I put in the work and time and dedication and maybe not have the most normal life, I didn't have a normal childhood at all, that really cool things can come and a cool journey can come. And I now as an entrepreneur, that is not necessarily the most normal path. I don't have a nine to five, but there's a lot of really fun things that come through that. So that coupled with an incredible support system. Um, I have been the most amazing mother, single mother who is literally, we call her MB, which stands for mama bear. She will go to bat for me time and time again. And that also having the most amazing friends and family, I am 10 times luckier than a lot of people who go through what I go through, who do it feeling alone. I've never felt alone on this journey. And um, that is a real testament to why I'm able to be in the headspace and the position I am today. Mm-hmm. Those people that surround us, right, have such an impact on us. Yeah. yeah. So how did Cup of Tay came up, come about? 
when I was in university, I started a podcast because um, I went to school for media, radio and television arts. So I should be doing this every single day, essentially. Um, and I did. You're a little busy with a few other a things busy. now, Taylor. <laughs> I do want to get back to it, though. But um, I started a podcast because I did an internship with Global News and Entertainment Tonight Canada um, and the Canadian Olympic Committee, which is like such a full circle moment. But I realized that the nine to five wasn't going to work for me. I don't like getting up early. It, I also would have to pay someone to like an attendant or a nurse to be with me all day at work. And if you're only making a certain amount of money, it's like your whole paycheck is going to this person helping you work, if that makes sense. And Mm so I was just like, how do I balance like having a job and being a contributing member? Yeah, right. Can you go back to that? Sorry, can you say that again? (laughs) Because I I never thought of this. This is very important, I think. Go ahead. So I'm a dependent person. Like I'm very independent. However, when I'm at like work or whatever, uh, I would need someone to be there. I would need a PSW uh, more likely a PSW, not a nurse, to sit with me um, if I need to grab something that I can't grab out of my bag or go to the washroom or things like that. I would need someone there. And that person needs to be paid. And, and so, the company doesn't pay that person or the government doesn't pay that person. It comes out of the individual? It depends. Okay. Some people qualify for it. Some okay. people do not. I do not qualify for it for a plethora of reasons. I have a mom really good insurance and things like that but if you aren't a person who qualifies for it and you and your workplace won't pay for it then you are paying someone to be there I did not think of that yeah that is so I think when we think of disabilities like I think of like how you would access the building how you but yeah I guess it's all encompassing I think you know when you see someone in a chair I think your first like you said your first thought is accessibility in the sense of okay their wheels can't get up a stair or um, they can't walk but it's so much more than that my disability and my paralysis affects my bladder it affects my ability to use like I can move my arms but I don't have fine motor skills so I can't move my fingers so to grab something is something I cannot do so all of these little nuanced things that you do every single day you don't think about but I need someone to help me with and I can't be like going to my boss like oh you want to help me do this or go to the washroom or do this I need someone with me and I saw how much of a dependent strain that was when I was interning and um like I remember a day when someone didn't show up and I was like I can't go to work so now I'm dependent on another person to be with me and if they can't show up I can't show up and how does that look in the framework of a job Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. the best so I I I obviously I could have made it work but I decided instead to just start my own thing and do a podcast yeah yeah that makes it makes sense why you kind of pivoted but to be honest I'm so happy that you shared that because I think there's so many things that we don't think about like we don't realize what what parts of our body sometimes like we need for certain things right I have no, I had, I mean, even people who are my age, when they meet me, who aren't my friends, they have no idea. And you you think, oh, maybe when I'm older, I would understand. No, when I was 14, I had no idea what a spinal cord is. I had no idea what it controlled. I remember lying in the hospital and my doctor telling my mom that I would never walk again and me being like, ooh, 
I guess the spinal cord is fairly important because nothing is working anymore. Mm-hmm. And just like those little things. And even now as an adult, when I meet other people or I'm dating and I have people ask me questions, I'm like, oh yeah, of course they won't know this because it's not your reality. And know that I, I would never want it to be someone's reality. But I think we don't realize how fickle and precious our bodies can be but also too how resilient they can be because the fact that my nerve highway in my body isn't communicating with 90 percent of my body but i'm still able to live and breathe and exist is pretty cool it sucks but it's pretty cool as well you mentioned dating how yeah. how does that tell us a little bit about that experience i think dating in yeah. general for everyone is is an interesting topic but yeah i would love it, to hear your take on it it's one of the biggest questions i have actually it's so funny a friend of mine no my cousin the other day sent me a screenshot she's like do you know when you google your name this besides taylor lindsay noel the second most googled thing is taylor lindsay noel husband and it's because people, really people right? want to know who you're dating people, people want to know and I, I never thought that people would actually care that much, but uh-huh. clearly that it comes up before accident gymnastics or even my business means that oh, a lot rough. of people are looking for it. Um, but for dating, I I didn't think at, when I first got injured, I would ever date. I just had to initially scratch that out of my mind. I was turning 15 when I had my accident. My friends were becoming and going through puberty and becoming absolutely stunning and beautiful and dating and going to parties. And I just decided it wasn't going to be my life. It wasn't until I took a trip to LA and I met other girls in chairs because California has a really big population of girls in chairs because of the weather and for a plethora of reasons, like a lot of people choose to move there. And I went to lunch with a girl and she said to me like you could date and she had been dating this guy for five years and I couldn't wrap my head around it and she goes someone will love you for you and you may take you longer to find that person but wouldn't you rather have someone who falls in love with you despite all of these things rather than loving you just for the physical or sex or something like that I'm like Mm. So I went back home and started going on dating apps. And I had my first boyfriend, I think when I was 21, turning 22. Thank God he was like the nicest, loveliest guy. We're still friends to this day. And since then I've had, you know, a few boyfriends. I'm not currently seeing anyone. If anyone's Googling, if anyone's Googling pandemic, I know, right? Probably because of the <laughs> pandemic a lot. But I, I, I have a really healthy dating life. I've had really great, some not so great boyfriends, but I think anyone could say that. Right. Yeah, um, that's very true. Sounds universal. Your experience of dating sounds universal in that right? aspect. It's, yeah. not as, it's not as scary as you think. And I think for me, when I start dating these guys, we have a deeper connection right off the bat because I tell them like that physical sexual aspect of it it's possible and we're going to get there and I think some people think that like people with disabilities don't have a sex life we do we do I'm not going to go into like the nitty-gritty of what that is but it's Mm -hmm. fine and it's great um but we have to get to know each other on such a deeper level first before that becomes a part of the conversation because I need to trust you with my life before I have a moment of intimacy and that is not something that we think about a lot as women like we 
we do get scared or, you know, have a little bit of fear. But for me, I am trusting this person with my life when they take me out of my chair. And that creates a deeper level of intimacy. And I think that's why our relationships are so all-encompassing right from the jump. So it's a little bit intense right from the get-go, but um, I truly think that they like me for who I am because they know that that's not going to be, we're not doing this on the first, second, third, fourth, many dates. Um, Right, right. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. You're also 27, so you have a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, you don't you're think pretty young. Again, some people say that, but some people are like, oh, 27. I'm like, hey, give me a second. Yeah, like, yeah. Give me a moment to breathe. I'm trying to establish myself and figure out like what I want to do. But I'm, I'm also lucky that like I made the decision at 24 to freeze my eggs. So I also don't have that like... TikTok time limit they on like your head mind. Yeah. So yeah. If I figure it out at 34, my eggs are 24 years old. So right. Yeah. I had um I actually had ovarian cancer. And so I had to do oh. the egg freezing thing as well. So yeah. I know all a little bit about that journey too, which is a whole other day. But yeah. It's well but, so we got a little, I mean, cup of tea essentially yeah. then started from the pot. I know, but I love, I love everything yeah. that we're talking about because it was so, that's kind of really, I think, um, great information, not just for, for people with disabilities, but I even think like I relate it to the cancer community and a lot of women that have breast cancer have maybe had to have their breasts removed or something mm-hmm. like that. And there's just the feeling of, you know, your body being different. I guess, and, and what that looks like in intimate relationships. So I think that's, I, I appreciate you sharing that for a variety of audiences. I think mm-hmm. obviously yours is a lot more critical, mm-hmm. um, but I, yeah, I think that was great that we got to touch on that. So cup of tea got started as a podcast and then essentially kind of went away from this, this day job mentality and wanted to be an entrepreneur. Now I think it had a little bit to do with you loving tea obviously, and David's tea, I believe. But tell us a little bit about how the actual concept got started. So with my podcast, I knew the only way to make, whenever I would listen to my favorite podcast, they would always be like, and then we're sponsored by this company or this company. I'm like, yeah, "Ah, this is how they make money. Because again, if the platform is free, you can download it, it's all free, but that's how they make money in the back end. So when I started the podcast and I had in my household, we had the best conversations over tea. So naturally to talk to someone, I thought, okay, I can have a cup of tea. I can talk to them. It's very authentic to who I am. I'm a huge, I spend thousands of dollars on tea every single year. And it did seem like the natural fit. And I could also integrate a sponsor. So I made it a point to talk about David's tea in every single podcast being like one day they're gonna fall in love with me knock on my door knock, they're gonna come to me and knock on my door send me free all I wanted was one free packet of like their blueberry jam tea and everything would have been fine this literally would have never happened if I just got one <laughs> packet of blueberry jam tea and I sent emails and dms and I like a really horrible boyfriend they ghosted me and that's fine they are very busy people but instead of feeling sad about it I was like "Hmm, well they're not going to listen to me and they're not going to hear me getting all in my me 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 space which again they're very busy people I was like I'll just make my own tea and that journey of trying to make one turn into making 
sourcing and making five. And I'm like, if I'm going to have five, I should have an overarching company name. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to make a whole ass company, it's going to be luxury. It's going to be bomb. It's going to be what I would have wanted in my David's tea experience or my tea experience. And it's going to be mine. And I'm going to deliver it to people across North America. And November 26th was the November 26, 2018 was the day we launched. And, uh, it's been the biggest undertaking of my life. Journey. Yeah. Cause I mean, since then, so you were basically in a business, you were in business for a year and then a pandemic hit. So tell us about, tell us about that. So at the top of 2020 and like God bless 2020, it was quite the year. <laughs> um, I was, my business was, you know, we had one really great contract with um, Airbnb Luxury Retreat. So we were supplying tea to all of their offices. I was like, this is our major win. We're going to be set up for life. And, but then I thought to myself and I was watching, I think an episode of Shark Tank. And they're like, if you are dependent on one or two big box brands or people to keep your company afloat, what happens if that person goes away? will you be able to survive? And I realized and did the numbers that my D to C, my direct to consumer numbers were not gonna keep me afloat if this person went away. Online healthcare can seem perplexing, especially when it comes to sexual health. You may be thinking, how do you diagnose a UTI without seeing me in person? With Maple, all you have to do is log on, enter your symptoms, and get connected to one of their Canadian licensed physicians who will ask you a series of questions to determine if you have a UTI. These questions are just like the ones you'd be asking in person. Like, do you have a history of UTIs? What are your symptoms? How long have you been experiencing these symptoms, etc.? If diagnosed, they'll be able to treat you by giving you a prescription during your consultation and providing you with a treatment plan to get you back on track. It's as simple as that. Maple's physicians can also treat yeast infections, low libido, STIs, as well as prescribe for birth control. Download Maple in the App Store or Google Play Store or head to getmaple.ca backslash style to learn more. Maple's got you covered with healthcare for down there. I had a breakdown. I remember crying in the car with my mom. I was we were completely driving. And nobody was talking. And then I just started crying out of nowhere. And I, for the first time, I confessed to her that my business wasn't doing as well as it looked like on the outside. Everyone thought because it's pretty and it's beautiful and our Instagram gram is really curated that I was making a lot of money. I wasn't. I was hemorrhaging money. And that honest conversation with my mom looked like, okay, stick this out for a few more months. And if it turns around, cool. If it doesn't, you can walk away. It's fine. You tried. Then the pandemic hit in March. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is my out. If I walk away from this business, people will think it's a pandemic. I I don't know how I'm going to survive. My corporate client, the Airbnb went away because they stopped going to the work. Oh, and right. I was like, that yeah, was I was like, this is my turn because I already know this isn't going to survive if they went away. And here I got an email from them being like, we're gone. And it was devastating. But what I started to see slowly was my mind shift like, hey, but people are home. They're going to still want to drink something. If I can get in front of their eyes and show them that they can have their creature comforts at home, we might be able to succeed. And so things started to pick up a little bit. And then in July, I get the big email from Oprah's team being like, we found you on Instagram. We loved it. We would love it if you can send one of everything to us for testing for 
the December issue, which I knew because it's the only magazine I subscribe to ever that <laughs> it was her favorite things um, ep- uh, edition, which, you know, turned into weeks. I mean, amazing. Yeah. And I guess you, I feel like if you, you got that message on Instagram, so you did realize that it was um, actually Oprah. So I got the message via email. Okay. So, Cause I feel like I would be like, this is not. Oh, oh I, I completely thought it was fake. <laughs> I, you know, as far as it goes, people know I deleted it. I deleted the email. Oh, okay. And the reason why I thought it was fake was not only because it just seemed so unbelievable, but because the date that I got it was this accident anniversary. Um, so I got injured on July 15, 2008. On July 15, 2020 was the day they emailed me. I already woke up in a bad mood that day because it's the worst day of the year for me every single year because it's a reminder of everything I've gone through. But when you receive an email like that, it seemed like one of those, you won $3 million, like give us your SIN number and everything right. you have. And, right. and so I deleted it, but I couldn't get it out of my mind. And after I had breakfast, I went back to my email, dug it out, Googled the person's name, found her Instagram and everything about her Instagram said that she did actually work for Oprah. And so I was like, hmm, let me just give this number a call. And um, yeah, it, I'm going to believe this. Real. <laughs> it was very, very real. And that's uh, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So how did things, how have things changed for you since that? Because that would have come out in December. It's been life changing. Like my business, I think I've always said that if I just got in front of the right eyes, I really think people would not only fall in love with the products or fall in love with the brand in general. And Oprah comes with getting you in front of every single eye in the world, essentially, and it more or less. And ever since we've had more corporate clients, we've had more direct to consumer, it's really shaped our business and really given us that leg up and body of proof to say, if Oprah trusts us, why won't you? And a lot of doors have opened because of her and I'll forever be grateful to her and her team for taking a chance on me because at the time I would consider myself a hobby business and out of all the businesses in the world they decided that I was one of the ones she wanted to choose to have in her last printed issue which is like uh, I think I don't think a lot I don't think a lot of people know that like that was her very last printed issue ever she's digital now but um to have like a physical copy of that last one, which I knew would sell really well, um, ended up working obviously in her favor as well. Yeah. And such a keepsake too, for you to have that in print, right? I have like 12 of them. I was going to say, do you have it framed somewhere? I'm actually in the, because of the virus, but I'm actually in the process right now of getting it framed, but we went out, we got so many because it's just, it's insane. Well, it's amazing, but also I think credit in that you've built you built a really great company, you know, like it's, 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 it's it's amazing that Oprah found that company and highlighted it, but you also, it wasn't like this just happened. Your journey was, you know, a a week, a week process and you got an Oprah or anything like that. Right. Like there was a lot that you overcame to get to this point. So I think that's the karma piece that you're talking about coming in. Right. Maybe hopefully a little, I think so. I I am a full believer. Everything happens for a reason. And I think this last year has taught me why God and the universe put me in the position I am today. I didn't really understand why something like this would happen to me, but I think I, I think I get it. I think my life has been, you know, my life is more than just me. I think 
that through my business, through my advocacy for disability awareness and mental health awareness, that I'll be able to create something and affect people um, for longer than I'll ever be alive. And I think that's all you want as a human is to truly get back and help. And I think that there's many ways I'm doing in that now and we'll be able to do that with the platforms I've been given and uh, I don't take that for granted at all and I think that is a testament to why I went through such a difficult journey so young and continue to because I'm still in a wheelchair like I still have a lot of challenges every single day Um, but I think it's starting to make a little bit more sense a little clearer. And you talked a lot about that giving back um, and your involvement with mental health organizations. I know that's a really important thing too as well. Yeah, for me, when I was going through the real, what I call the depths of it, like right at the beginning, I quickly realized, which I don't think people on the outside realize that the mental journey for me was so much more difficult than the physical. When I would go to rehab every day and really try to work out my body, I... I was okay and used to that because I took my gym, gym like obsession and put it into physical rehab. So to work out and try to do something and work with a coach or a therapist wasn't difficult, but it was the moments when you're lying in your hospital bed and you can't get up to do something and that how that mentally plays on you was starting to take a real strain. And I would always project on the outside that I was happy and fine and being an inspiration and working through it. But meanwhile, I felt like a fraud because I was internally crying and crumbling. And so now as an adult, I look back at that time and realize like I was a really great functioning depressed person, not something that I would have wanted and would handle in the same way I do now through growth, but it was something I didn't feel comfortable talking about. So now when I got the opportunity to talk about it, I let people know that it's okay to like feel and express that because otherwise you're going to find yourself in a really dark spiral of trying to project one thing while you're experiencing another. And that is not healthy. And I know you, you give back to some mental health organizations as well, right? Yeah. So for a portion of our product um, proceeds from our starter kit, so whether that be the gold one or the, the silver starter kits from my company go to CAMH and that's the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. And I think it was important for me because like I said with my podcast when I had it, the best conversations happen over a cup of tea. And if we want to continue the conversation around mental health awareness, it just fits so well with the brand. And I know mental health um, issues affect one in four people, whether directly or indirectly. And that number is massive. So I knew it would be rather than eventually I want to have like a foundation or something where I give back to spinal cord injury awareness. But when I was creating my brand, I knew it had to be bigger than the central issue that's mainly affecting my life. And what I've seen is people really reach back out to us and be like, thank you so much for donating to a cause like this because my uncle or my child or I am going through this. And seeing those messages on a daily basis makes me know that we're giving back to something that people really truly care about and want to see highlighted. That's amazing. So what would you, to someone that is struggling right now, whether it, whether it be mental health, I mean, I think a lot of us are, we're all in a very interesting place with what's been going on in the world over the past year. What would you say, what kind of one takeaway would you want people to have from this conversation or piece of advice? Don't be afraid to 
confide in one person. I think people think you need to tell everybody in your life, like, I'm going through depression. I feel suicidal. I am this X, Y, Z. No, it doesn't need to be plastered everywhere. It doesn't need to be a whole conversation with everyone in your life because as of right now, not everyone's going to understand. But I think most of us, if we really are honest with ourselves, can find at least one person to confide in. And just being able to speak your truth goes so far. When I was able to tell people, I didn't tell people I had gone through a very dark period until over eight years after it had happened. And they were shocked. And I didn't realize how much of a weight I was carrying on my body, holding that what I felt like was my dirty little secret inside of me. And when they found out, I felt lighter just even speaking about it. And so that first step is to talk about it, acknowledge and feel allow yourself to be human and know that I may not be okay today, but I still believe that there's a time and a place, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not a week from now, but in the future where I am going to be okay. And I'm going to work every single day. When you start doing those few things, you'll start to see a little bit more of a shift in your mindset. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) Oh, I feel like so we're coming to the end of our time though. So I'd love to hear just a little more about what you have coming up, where everyone can find you. Of course. So, you know, there's lots of really fun things happening for the brand. Not everything I can talk about, but start looking out for us and some of your favorite retailers um, around Canada. That's going to be happening soon. Beyond that, uh, you can find us on Instagram. My company is at cup of taste shop. So that's C-U-P. O-F-T-E shop um, on Instagram or www.cupofte.com, C-U-P-O-F-T-E.com. And for me, uh, I am really enjoying the process of being an entrepreneur and also a motivational speaker. I've had a lot of opportunities to share my story and I can hope to continue to do so because I think representation matters. I represent I'm a black female disabled business owner. And I think in so many different facets, I hit a lot of these minority groups and people that can relate to me. And I hope to continue to make them proud and like really break glass ceilings for especially the disability community. And you can find me on Instagram at Taylor L-N, T-A-Y-L-O-R-L-N. I'm quite interactive in my DMs. So yeah, don't be afraid to hit me up and... You are such a, wherever this journey takes yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, you are such a powerhouse. You're absolutely an inspiration. I'm so grateful that you could be here with us today. We're thank you for taking the time, and we're looking forward to continuing the conversation. Like you mentioned, it's conversations around disabilities, mental health, everything, right? Yeah. That you touch entrepreneurship, resiliency, all of these things. I feel like we could have had you on for every topic. <laughs> imaginable Um, but we appreciate you being here with us today so thank you thank you for tuning into this conversation we will have a brand new one on a brand new topic every monday if you were intrigued by anything in our conversation we encourage you to talk about it tell a friend post on social media take action in your very own way subscribe to get the newest episode at your fingertips as soon as it drops Until next time, check out Style Canada, a disruptor in the media for its community of inquisitive style seekers. You can find us at style.ca or on social media. Just like this podcast, Style Canada is not just about style. It's about living a lifestyle that leaves people open to evolution and opportunity.
This episode was hosted by Elise Gasparino, produced and edited by Alia Ballas. The music credit goes to Raspberry Music and was brought to you by Style Canada. Style Canada.